Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Friday, May 28th, 2021, episode number 187. Isn't 187 the police code for homicide out there in L.A.? Yeah, but it's also the baddest-ass episode we've had in a while because we've got a patron on this week. Since last week, what? We did get a lot of feedback from last week's episode. Uh, Casey Cisco, yeah. you know, you and I have wanted to have him on for a minute since the start of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. And even last year when we saw him, like, almost making those mains, like, we were cheering for him last year. But uh, yep. he's yep. going really well this season. Uh, had a lot of positive feedback, a lot of thumbs up, a lot of uh, comments good. on his uh, on his posts. So uh, good to hear uh, people are excited about the Casey Cisco episode. And to me, those are always kind of my favorite because you hear from somebody that you I mean just kind of get how they got their start right. um and just kind of get to know these people that they're new faces sometimes in the paddock well, i was gonna say especially the new people i mean he just went pro he's yep. been an amateur for a while and I've, I've i've called his name quite a bit as an amateur and now i'm starting to do it as a pro it's pretty cool uh to to carry that on into the pro ranks and again making his first two main events earlier this year uh He's uh, doing really well. Won't be the last time we hear from him, for sure. So, uh, yeah, good to chat with him. And, uh, yeah, man, a long weekend for you. Kind of. Not really. It was a short kind, weekend, but it might have felt like a long weekend. Yeah, well, Dale Jones came down on Thursday. We went to eat dinner. He had a place he saw on dinners, diners, drive-ins, and dives or something like that. I can't even say <laughs> the name, the of, name show, of it. What was the name of it? Stone, Stone Sisters Pizzeria. Oh. I didn't even know it was there. It's kind of by the Capitol building, kind of, kind of downtown-ish. Um, went down there and they were just about to close, but that's when he got here. So we got a pizza. Nice. The only regret we got is we should have got a bigger one. Mm, that's always what I regret. With yeah. Pizza. But but then it would have sat in my refrigerator while we were gone. So it's probably enough. a good thing. But got up Friday morning, got down there and, and got to hang out with a few people at the hotel room. And then they left me and they went over to the track and had to do some work. And I kind of hung out for a while. And then I had some meetings and then uh, went to that uh, hard eight barbecue place. It was really good. And then I went. Uh, a few of us were invited to a, a party, but it was more for the, the motorcycle show that was going on inside Texas Motor Speedway. It was a lot of vendors and people like that. So uh, Ricky Rackman, uh, Kristen B, and I went over and checked that out for a little bit. The Showbirds, I think the Voodoo Ranger people, uh, the beer people put that on. Uh, they had four flat track bikes on display. I got to kick it with some industry people, uh, a lot of people asking me questions. It's It's kind of overwhelming i guess to me to be in a place like that and people know who i am <laughs> i mean because you're kind of a big deal I'm just, dude i'm just me you know it's it, i'm not no, i'm not a big deal i'm just the announcer that's it yeah but people know who i am you know which is, it's, it's pretty cool uh it was uh, it was humbling i guess you yeah. know and jackie van ham was there chris tice was there a couple other announcers that i've known and and, and worked with uh, actually both of them and then of course you know our our up higher up at, at american flapjack were there uh, but it's cool. It was cool. That was Friday night. And then we uh, go over to the uh, Ricky Rackman. And I went to the motorcycle show on Saturday morning for a little while before we went over to the track and went to work. And then uh, then the rain came, shut us down. So, yeah, it just didn't seem like it got much racing in, but we did have a lot of cool events outside of the racetrack. I know there was a golf tournament, too, for uh, mm-hmm. Ricky's 79. I know Turner Racing was big and involved with that event. Uh, there yep. was that event that you were talking about there. I know Johnny Lewis had some slide schools uh, before and, and after that- the event. Well, that was inside Texas Motor Speedway, so it's getting a lot of attention, which is good for the sport of flat track. Yeah. So Johnny did it right, and then he he actually got to do it, even though it rained that much. Yep. Somehow he built some kind of track in there for Sunday. Yeah. I don't know, and they were all muddy, but but you know what? They still got to go in there and slide to have some fun Absolutely. and ride some Royal Enfield motorcycles and 
more exposure to our sport. So that was 100%. cool. 100%. The, the, the biggest takeaway I think I had from Texas, yeah, either Meese is Superman <laughs> or he couldn't feel his knee or he just probably might not have been putting his foot down as much as normal, but he was fast time for a little while. I think he ended up second quick. And again, we only had one session of qualifying. Uh, but Briar looked really good. Briar had some new leathers on. A little I bit did different. see that. I mean, that, they were nice. Those fa- yeah, those factory leathers, they all look the same. That used to drive me crazy. And yeah. now Briar's got some white leathers on, so he's a little bit easier to find. Um, Briar looked really good. And then Meese was second quick. And going in, I wouldn't have th- I thought he was probably going to do the same thing he did at Atlanta. You know, go out there and put in a couple laps, pull off. But right. evidently, it's not bothering him. So the good thing for Meese is, He's got a whole nother uh, seven more days yeah. to recover with that left knee injury that he has or left knee strain or whatever he's saying about it. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I never saw the bikes to the track. I never saw him go around, but I did check out times after, and I was pretty surprised to see him in uh, P2 yep. there yep. Uh, with, the, with those times. But uh, I don't know. It, it, w- it'll be interesting to see what those seven extra days will do. I mean, an 80% Mies, I think, is so way better than a lot of the field so uh this the storylines actually for chicago are going to stay the same with what we're going to do covering because we're expecting the same people that would go good at texas are going to go good at joliet it's been a long time since we've been at joliet and that's time for our hollywood nuggets are you ready for these i am ready for these i have one question before you get into your nuggets though what you got we talked about michler and we know how well he went in texas I don't know anything right. about this track in Joliet. Like, is it right. similar to Texas? The dirt is different. I know that, right? It, the dirt the dirt is very different. Yeah. The last time I was there, it was a very narrow groove on the bottom of the racetrack. So I think with Steve Nace going there the night before, it'll put, you know, with his 19 classes or however many classes he's yep. got. Hopefully with that many motorcycles, they build a little bit bigger groove. Fingers crossed. And then and then we get out there Saturday morning and we can try to widen that groove a little bit. Maybe, maybe in the first round of practice, they could tell the riders to go, hey, They'll paint a line and say, hey, you guys r- must ride above that line in, le- in this first round of practice. Right. That way, it'll widen up the groove a little bit. But uh, the track, other than it's an oval, other than we're going fast and turn left, I don't think the track is that similar other than that the length of it might be very similar. But uh, the dirt is totally different up there. Okay. And you still thinking the same people are going to rise to the top there, huh? Yeah, I, I do. Just because it's it's a car track, it, yeah, it should be a groove track, and Texas usually does too. So... You're going to be there Friday night, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I just have, I saw that uh, Tracy Jones was asking that a little bit ago, so I wanted to confirm that for Tracy. I'll be there Friday. I get in Thursday night, and I'll be there later on uh, Friday Friday afternoon to get myself situated. The Royal Enfield Bill Train Race will be there, too, so I want to get to know those girls a little bit more because it's a different group than it was last year. Yeah. Um, So I'll get ready for that. Love it. Tell those girls we want to have them on for a podcast. There's a lot more of them this year, I think. There's, there's a, I think, well, I think there's still six. Okay. I think, but maybe there's more, but there's a couple of different seems faces. Like there's so. more. Seems like there's a lot okay. more, in the right. but I don't know. Well, I could be and, wrong. And, and they're also, they're also doing road race too. So I, I, I know the spots are, the slots are full, but are you ready for some Hollywood nuggets? We haven't done that this year. I've I, never I been more ready for some Hollywood nuggets heading in no, to Joliet. I, I think you're thinking about beaver nuggets. No, I'm. I've got my feeling some beaver nuggets. There's a Bucky's here now in Florida, so I don't. I know that's yeah. crazy. I can get beaver nuggets whenever the hell I want. I'm kind of spoiled. I did. I did see a rumor they're building one in El Reno, Oklahoma, but I'm what? not believing that. I'm not believing that El Reno is a small town. Bucky's, Bucky's everywhere. I guess. Everywhere. So, 
According to my notes and according to the media guide, mm -hmm. we have raced at the Joliet half mile five times already. Hmm. I've raced there once at least, maybe twice. Uh, the first national that, that I found in my notes was 1998. Rich King won it. Nice. Uh, the second time we went there was 99. Will Davis, the late Will Davis, won it. And we went back in 2000, and Will Davis won it again. So it definitely fit his style. They took a break, went back in 2005. Chris Carr won it there. And the interesting fact, my biggest nugget is 2007. The jammer, Jared Meese, took the win. Really? His fourth career victory was at the Joliet Chicago Half Mile. That is very interesting. So you picked Briar for Texas. You're sticking with yes. your picks. So you're saying Briar again, even though Jared looked strong in Texas. I, I think so. I think so. Briar Briar needs a win right now. He needs to make a statement. It's been a minute. To... It's been a minute since he's won. Right, one, right, right. And he hasn't won yet this year. So I think he needs to go out there and make a statement by winning. He looked really strong at Texas. I'm still sticking with Briar. Uh, Robinson, he's he's a man on a mission right now. He's yeah. He's got the momentum from last year. He's healthy. He's going towards the front. And I guess I'm going to have to put Meese up there on the podium as well because uh, he looks so good at Texas. Fair enough. Fair enough. I love it. Um, we don't have to go through all the, all the different uh, series there. I think that's a pretty good uh, recap and look ahead to uh, – to Joliet this weekend. I'm I'm uh, yep. actually getting back on the road, so I'm gonna have some fun, uh, but in a different little two wheel thing. You so. go? Are you going motocrossing? Yeah, Paula this weekend for round one. That's the first round. Mm -hmm. There you yes, go. Yes, sir. Right on. And then we'll be into Paula. that almost every Paula. So, where, where where do you fly into to go to Paula? A San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. I didn't know where I didn't know where Paula was. I've never been there. It's like in the uh, the yeah, it's in the what do they call that? It's the, on It's uh, on Indian territory, right? It is, Indian yeah, ground. Indian yeah, it's like Indian grounds. There's a casino there and all that stuff. That's why they're able actually to pull it off a race, pull off a race in California cuz I still year, don't think right. Well, and I still think it's kind of dicey out there right now, but um but yes, yeah, so they're they're able to do that. I think there's actually two events. Uh I think we start and end in Palo, or there's another Apollo okay. event towards the end of the year from, from last right time I checked. But. Well, good. good. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. Um, But yeah, you want to get into this week's episode? I do. I'm stoked on this one. We've been wanting to have this guy on for a minute. He's been a patron for, for a few months now, I think, uh, and supports the podcast, which we absolutely love. Uh, he's a tech official with AFT, um, so he's uh, he's got some chops. He knows his stuff uh, as far as what's going on in the series, and and uh, his way around a racetrack himself because he's a former racer. Uh, he's got a lot of cool stories and uh, really look forward to getting to know Mr. Dale Jones a little better. Absolutely. So I know I'm not going to get into uh, all the stories, and we had some good stories. We had some good conversation on the way down to Texas and the way back that kind of had – I had it fresh in my mind, so I put it. I put my notes together earlier today since I was uh, thinking about them and, and the good time we had this uh, past weekend. So we got to – Got to ride down to Texas with him and ride back to Texas. And I think that was the only time we kind of saw each other, which is weird because we work for the same place. But he's on one side of the track. I'm on the other. So uh, he's a good friend of mine. Good friend of the families, actually. My dad really likes Dale. Uh, I think me, Dale, my, my dad, and I think maybe Stoney actually stayed at his log cabin oh, that wow. he used to have in Muscatine. It was right there on the river. So uh, Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So it, it's cool. He's a good friend of ours. And, and obviously, he's a, a, a patron. And uh, I think we need to give him a call. Let's do it. Hello. 
Number 10K in your program, number one in your heart. It is Dale Jones. What's up? How you doing, Scotty? I'm good. How are you doing? I am great. All right. So, uh, did you make it home all right? Yeah, I uh, I got just about an hour away from Des Moines and um, pulled over and got a hotel. Uh, you know, I don't have to rush things anymore. So. Yeah. What what yep. what are you do? Are you out in the shop working on a motorcycle or what? No, no, I'm getting ready to fix a little supper. Well, all right, I'm hungry. What are we having? Uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, I got some leftover um, pizza sauce, so I figured I'd just make up whatever, you know. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, we had we had a good time this last weekend. Unfortunately, it rained out on us though. It was a great trip. It was. Uh, I you know I don't drive. I, I typically with the races. I uh, I put a limit on you know driving to flying in eight hours you know I'll drive eight hours but ain't over that anything over that I won't drive but now with um, the price of rental cars and it's like through the roof I'm driving so that's that's the longest I've driven to a race in a long time well, and it was great got, to uh, hold on let's be honest you didn't drive the whole way you you put me behind the steering wheel for part of it. Well, heck yeah, guys! You got to earn your keep, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I don't mind driving. I've been doing it since I was a kid. But uh, no, we—I only got to drive like two and a half or three hours, so it was no big deal. But you know, what's weird is we get all the way down to Texas, and then we don't see each other until it's time to go back home. <laughs> I know, and I was thinking, you know, um, after after we got loaded up Saturday night and stuff, I'm like, well, crap. Scotty's with me. I wonder where he's at. <laughs> well, thanks for checking. I, literally, I, <laughs> yeah, literally, one I, I dropped you off, or when we got our hotels, and you came up to the room for a while, and that was the last I seen you until Sunday morning. Yeah, I know. It's just we get pulled in different directions for sure. So uh, we'll get into what you do at the track in just a minute, but uh, I want to go way back to the beginning because I n I don't remember the last you know when we met and stuff like that. But I want to get to know Dale Jones from the start. So uh, where were you born? Uh, right here in Muscatine, Iowa. Uh, they right. call it the watermelon watermelon capital of the world. Watermelons in Muscatine? I never heard that before. Oh yeah, yeah. For uh, for whatever reason, they grow really good um, here, and uh, that's that's what they call it. All right. So, can you spit those sunflower seeds really far, like they have those uh, sunflowers or the uh, watermelon seed spitting contest? Did, did you get into that? No, I, I like uh, like cantaloupe better than watermelon myself. I, I, mean, I do like watermelon, but cantaloupe I would take over with watermelon All any right. day. So, what's it like growing up there? Well, it's not bad. We live right on the Mississippi. Um, do a lot of water skiing in my youth, and uh, and um, just a lot of fishing. Which I don't like fishing, but when I was younger, <laughs> I, I would go down to the riverfront with a fishing pole just because we were on the river, you know. And yeah, yeah. I don't even like to take a fish off the hook. I, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So uh, yes, when when did you get into motorcycles? Um, well, for a short time, we, my dad, he was a truck driver and, um, we got, he, he drove over the road and he drove for a company out of Chicago, uh, PIE is the Pacific Intermountain Express is what it stands for. But, um, he would go to Chicago 
um, like on Sunday night and he'd be gone during the week and come home Friday and, uh, he got laid off. So, um, he got a job in, in Joliet for a company called yellow freight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't over the road. It was, uh, pedaling around, you know, the Chicago area. So he moved us up to uh, a little town called Manuka, which is not too far away from Joliet, right off of Interstate 80. And we lived up there for, I don't know, three years. Uh, still owned the house here in Mustatine. And then uh, he ended up getting transferred back to Davenport, Iowa. And that's where he retired from. But anyhow, um, while we lived in Minooka, we lived right alongside a cornfield. And my brother's were into racing um and we bought my brother and i we ended up buying a mini bike and uh the bricks and stratton type you know and we just worked on it and tinkered with it and got it running delivered papers for money got enough money to buy a, a twist a throttle for it because it didn't have a throttle so we stuck a string on the little throttle on the carburetor and hooked it to our thumb and <laughs> that's how we made it go <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but uh, and it just evolved from there. My brother, uh, he worked for a for a farmer uh, milking cows, and he ended up he saved enough money to buy a Kawasaki Green Streak, a 100 Green Streak, mm-hmm. and uh, you race that back then. It was like 100 cc, 125, 175, 250, 360. I mean, they had a class for everybody, every size there was, and. Um, I don't know if you remember the Badger Racing Association out of sure uh, do. Yep. Minnesota. I, was it Minnesota? Yep. Yeah. They were up there. Yep. They had a uh, they had a a 125 class, a 250 class, a 360 class, and a 750 class. Mm. And he rates he rates at 100 in a 125 class, and um, he he was just a natural racer, man. He he made that thing work, and he'd win all the time on that thing on half miles. So that was pretty cool, and I got, I kind of got hooked on it from there, and um, ended up buying. What did I buy? I bought a. I think I bought a little uh, mini bike, like a Brick and Stratton type. We moved back to Muscatine. Uh, my dad got transferred. We moved back to Muscatine, and there was a little racetrack down here called the Port City Motorcycle Club, and I just bought whatever I could, you know, through delivering papers and, and, uh, built whatever I could and raced whatever I could. And, you know, I went from there. Do you remember the, the exact day or do you remember your first race at all? No, not really. Um, my oldest brother, um, Dwayne, he was in my, my, my oldest brother, Dwayne and the next brother down is Bill. Um, and they both, my oldest brother raced in the Badger series, and then Bill followed him in the Badger series, and then I followed them. But uh, my oldest brother bought an SL70, and uh, I, I, that was like the first real motorcycle that I ever rode. It had a clutch, you know, on a five-speed. And, and uh, I think it was Riverside, Iowa. I raced uh, like a TT um, course. It was just uh, like a little short track with a dog wagon back straight away and stuff. But uh, <laughs> it was funny because there was only there was only two riders there, and um, 
I had taken the SL70, and then I had taken my other mini bike with the Briggs and Stratton in it. There was a kid there that didn't have a bike, and we, my dad and I let him use that bike. So the, <laughs> that was the, that was the race, you know, me and that other kid. That's cool. I don't, I guess I don't I, even know, I don't I even know who you. that kid is. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't know who it is to this day. I guess I don't. Even, I didn't even know you had two brothers. I guess, and I don't. I had no idea that you had brothers that raced. Um, where Where are they now? Are they still involved in motorcycles? Um, yeah, my. Um, they both live here in Muscatine, and um, my oldest brother. He's. He's. I think he's seventy. Seventy four, maybe. Um, he was in Vietnam. And when he came back from Vietnam, he, he raced before, but then when he came back, he got into the, the, the pro, the pro series, you know, novice junior and expert. And, uh, he got a, he got his novice license and he was racing a 350 Kawasaki, you know, the, the sidewinders, they call them, the side, mm-hmm. the carburetor come out the side. Yep. And, um, I always remember, man, cause he liked it. His, his bikes were always pretty, pretty clean and stuff. And I remember he had it in a track master frame. Um, and you know, he polished the frame and it was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen, you know? And then my other brother, he was good enough. He got rides from a lot of people, uh, the local Yamaha shop and the local Honda shop and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just kind of followed them. It's kind of funny cause my, my oldest brother, Dwayne, he got his junior license and, um, he bought a BSA from Donnie Camlin, which is Dave Camlin's dad. Mm-hmm. And it was one of Dave Aldana's ex factory BSAs. Wow. Yeah. Cause Donnie had bought all of that stuff from, I believe he bought it from Gordon Duesenberry. Okay. And you probably know, you've probably heard of him. I'm sure. Absolutely. That and, uh, yep. but I remember that thing and I remember the gas tank on it was a, was a, um, a Victor, you know, a, a 440, 441 Victor tank. Mm-hmm. Remember the, the aluminum tanks? And it yep. was painted in, with BSA on it and, and it like red, white, and black. And it had Team Mexican over the top of the tank. And, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, and I see, I see pictures of that bike, um, you know, like in, uh, what's that magazine? Sideburn. I see mm-hmm. pictures of that bike in Sideburn. And then there's that other video that's out that's uh, the kind of a sister to On Any Sunday that the mm-hmm. two college kids did, you know. I can't remember what the name of it is. It's floating around out there somewhere. Right. But it shows, in that video, it shows Dave working on that bike. So, And I remember that gas tank sitting on the bench because my brother put a fiberglass tank on it, and I remember just kind of shoving it off to the side, and I'm thinking – now I'm thinking, oh my God, that thing's probably worth a fortune, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of, in a nutshell, how I really got involved. How 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 long did you race as an amateur? Because I know you got your pro license, but just just could you estimate how long you raced as an amateur? Well, probably I was probably ten, eleven years old when I started messing around with mini bikes and. So yeah, probably six years, because you had to be who, sixteen. Right. Who were some of the people you raced against as an amateur, or do you even remember any of those people? I do. Uh, there was a guy down from Burlington, Tony Menon. I don't know if you remember him. Mm-mm. Um, he was uh, 
he, he, we were both became novices about the same time. He was a really good, really good rider. Um, I think Dave Hebb was like in the amateur mix around and Dave, uh, Steve Dollefeld. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys from Peoria, the Weaver brothers. And, um, I remember them guys, Tommy Colson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So guys like that, mostly the guys around Peoria area. Do you have a favorite race as an amateur that, that you can tell me about? Yeah. Um, Henry, Illinois. Um, I was, I a guy from a friend of mine, Kurt Gustafson. He was a friend with Donnie Camlin and Davey Camlin and that old group up there. He had a, uh, an Astro that he bought it brand new. It was a 360. Then when they went to, when they dropped down to 250, he bought the, the kit that will taco fold made it a 250. And, um, a couple of buddies of mine and I, they were racing, um, because I was racing, I think they just kind of come along, come along, you know, and, uh, we went to Henry, Illinois and I think she's so long ago, 70, 77, I think they had, um, kind of a, I guess, state championship deal there. Um, and I won the 250 state championship. I mean, I didn't even plan on racing over there and we had the bike and I thought, well, let's just go over there. And I rode it and got a good start and got out to the lead. And, uh, you know, I won it. That's awesome. I, I, I love the Henry track. I, I, I love the Henry track and, and it's a pea gravel track. And, you know, there's not a lot of those in Illinois. I guess when I think pea gravel, I always think of Ohio. So it's kind of a unique racetrack. Henry was always like the first race. Well, in Ohio was Springfield, and then the next one was Henry. And Springfield, Ohio was kind of like the big one. Then Henry Henry always had the first race of the year, and then they had like a month later they had another race, and they only had two races a year. Um, But, yeah, that was always like – that was the first pro race that I went to. I seen Gordon Duesenberry, uh, Paul Presgrove, uh, I think Corky Keener even rode there one time. Wow. Um, wow. But yeah, good Gordon Duesenberry. You've probably seen pictures of him with mm-hmm. his foot up by the handlebar, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of the corner. Yeah. He would do it. He would do it at that racetrack. That's amazing. I kept thinking, why, why is he doing that? I don't understand. You know, <laughs> I, I think he's just showing off, but I don't know. I think he was too, you know, but it was, it was so cool, you know, yeah. And the sound, the sound of them BSAs was just like, I mean, I, I think you probably heard them. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Is dinner almost ready? Are we are we cutting into your dinner time or what? Oh, am I making too much noise? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna keep on trucking. Uh, how hard was it for you to decide to go pro? I mean, some kids wait around and wait around. Some people, as soon as they turn sixteen, they go pro. How did you make that decision? That's all I could think of. That's all I can think of. Turn 16 and get my novice license. Yeah. That's all I can think of. I mean, and it wasn't hard. Um, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I just wanted to be there with everybody else. And okay. I struggled. I mean, I struggled. I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I think I spent more time trying to make my bikes look pretty than I did make them go fast or yeah. make them yeah. go. Because my brother, he always polished on his bike, and I just thought they were so cool looking. Yeah. So when you, when you go up to the pro ranks, 
it seems like everything just builds up and builds up and, and you're racing a whole lot faster guys from all over the country. Um, I've heard some stories about your, your, your pro days. Is there a pro race that stands out that you remember the most? Um, Henry was always a good one. And it, you know, the first race I, I raced there, I won my heat race. And, you know, back then there was so many, I mean, you've heard the stories, everybody's heard the stories about how many novices there were. You had to win your heat race. And if you didn't win your heat race, you could still, or you didn't, if you won your heat race, you could still pack up and go home because there were so many novices, blah, blah, blah. Um, I won my heat race, got five points. So back then you got five points to win a race. You got three, two, and one. So five, three, two, and one. If you got fourth, you got one point. And, um, you had to get 40 points to turn junior. Well, some guys, it, you know, it was a piece of cake. Some guys had their points in no time at all. Mm-hmm. Charlie Roberts. Charlie Roberts was a novice when I was a novice. Okay. Or I was a novice when he was a novice. I didn't get my points first year. I won, I won a heat race, and I thought this was cool as hell. And then I struggled. I didn't get fourth, 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 one point, one point. But, you know, it was, was kind of weird because back then, if you got a point, it felt like you won the main event, you know, for me. <laughs> yeah. Another point, another point. So it took me two years to get my points as a novice. Okay. And then when you turn junior, you're riding 750s, and um, you had to get 80 points. And it took me four years to get 80 points. And. And getting those points, didn't that start over at the end of the year? You had to start from scratch, like at the beginning of the next season, right? No, you could carry them over. You okay. Carry them over. Yeah. All right. So you made it all the way up to expert, right? Yeah, I made it to expert, and that was probably the worst thing I ever did. Really? I I I, I didn't belong there. I mean, I wanted to be there because I wanted to be part of the show, you know. Right. But I I didn't have the talent to be there, you know. Okay. Um. The uh, the first first race I raced as an expert was the Astrodome. Wow, that, that that's was, cool. I know, and that was really cool because well, you know you see um, the videos or the or the pictures, and um, you know everybody went to the Astrodome. Everybody had new paint jobs, new leathers, and shiny helmets, and it was just like man, that was so cool, you know, and. Then, the crowd and it, it was just it was it was neat i mean you walk into that astrodome and you looked up and it, it was just unbelievable so big yeah that that had to have been a cool feeling i i never got to race in there i went there several times before i even thought about racing flat track i know i think graham and pa we were actually talking about that at our monday night dinner thing and graham was saying that i think she went there every year i'm not sure if pa did but Man, I just I can't imagine as a racer walking into a facility like that. I know what it, it was like for me walking into the to the building right next door, Reliant Stadium, to do my first ever Monster Jam, and it just gave me goosebumps. And I, I'm still getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. It had to have been a feeling like that when you walked in there, knowing that you're going to race there against the best in the world. It was crazy. It was just crazy. I, I mean, and I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't have a clue on gearing. I didn't have a clue on anything. You know, I just knew I was there and I wanted to be in, in there racing around there. And um, I think the I think the first time I realized that you know I was in the wrong place 
um, it was during the TT because I had a an XR500 and I had a uh, 250 Kawasaki for a short track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was um, I was going through the switchback, getting ready to come up over the jump. And I don't know, I guess I was going pretty slow because Moorhead come in and he just stuffed it underneath me and bam and turned and gone. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. Well, that's when I realized that's the difference between somebody having fun and somebody doing it for a living, you know? Yeah. He was serious. He was serious. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Opened my eyes. Yeah. So and I don't think I've ever told Steve that story. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I know I know you told me a story on our trip down to Texas. We we actually drove by the old Oklahoma City Fairgrounds kind of sorta, I guess probably on Thursday night uh, when you were down here. And the Oklahoma City half mile was probably one of my favorites. And you said you actually made the main event there, but it wasn't at the national, is at a regional. Uh do you remember it was in that? A regional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we drove all the way down there, which back in them days was a long drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we just went down there because, um, that was the last race of the year. Everything was done up around here and it was a regional. So back then a regional was like $8,000 purse or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had to pre-enter for it and everything, but most all the hot dogs were coming back from San Jose. And I think that was either, either San Jose or Sacramento, but that was the last race of the year for the national suit circuit and uh i made the main event i'm like oh i think i made uh 85 dollars or something i don't know what i got i got 10th or something most Uh ever made wow isn't that something that that we can think back about you know how much that was but but just making the main event means more i I think than the 85 dollars did don't you think oh yeah yeah i mean there was guys like timmy mertens there was uh, ted booty um I can't even remember. I mean, all the hot dogs, you know, it was all national numbers. I think I was the one of four, maybe non-national number guys in there. I think pretty sure Scotty Adams, Scotty Adams was there. And yeah. Probably Ronnie Jones. I mean, yeah. It, all it the was, locals. It was yeah. 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 So while we're talking about, you know, being an expert and everything, why, why'd you run number 10 K? Obviously the K is for the letter for the district where you were from, but why were you number 10? Uh, that's what they gave me. So you had no pick. You had no choice. No, you didn't have a choice. Right? Well, at least I didn't know that you had you had a choice. I okay. just <laughs> got my points, filled out the paperwork, sent it in. And that was kind of back then. You just kind of can't wait for your license to come to see what your number was going to be. Right, right. And then you can start building number plates and put 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 stuff on your leathers and get, get everything together. I love that. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's. That's what they gave me. So um. yeah. Okay. All right. I guess I guess I got lucky because I I guess whenever when I was coming up, I actually got to request my number that I wanted as a, as an I think I was I don't think I was a novice. I think I might have been a pro sport rider, but I requested forty three to honor Pa, you know, and then I got the G, and then anyways, that's pretty cool. I, I guess I didn't know that you didn't even have a choice back then. Well, um, you know. You, maybe you did have a choice, and maybe you maybe you could have. But I just didn't know it. I was just I was, you know, I was just waiting for the. You're, for you're the too busy. Too busy eating watermelons, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so did you travel around with people when you were when you were a pro rider? I mean, uh, was did you travel with your brothers? Did you travel with anybody else up there to help you out, or did you you know did you travel with other racers or anything? 
Um, my dad went with me most of the time when I was a novice. And then when I became junior, um, I had a buddy from high school that traveled with me a little bit. And then um, that first two years, oh, Dave Price and Roger Johnson. Mm-hmm. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you know Roger. Definitely um, know Roger. Traveled, traveled a little bit with them because they helped me. I was riding Yamahas. Um, they helped me out with them quite a bit. And then um, I would, whoever wanted to go with me, I'd take them with, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I made them drive. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that out as soon as you got down here to my house. <laughs> well, I, I've got to I've got to talk to you a little bit about Davy Camlin. I know he was uh, probably your best friend, maybe one of your best friends, but if not your best friend. But uh, when did you meet Davy Camlin? Well, um, that's funny. I I quit racing when I turned expert. Um, I think the second year I was an expert, I was done. I was, I was just, I couldn't do it. it. I didn't belong there. Um, I didn't have no fun anymore. It wasn't fun. So I quit racing, sold everything, um, started playing volleyball, softball, stuff around here, did a lot of water skiing on the river. And about 10 years later, there was a race in Mount Pleasant, Iowa that I always liked going to. Badger always went there, mm-hmm. Badger Racing Association. And, um, I thought, you know, that'd be kind of fun to race one of them. And my buddy had a star racer Yamaha with a 250 Yamaha or 250 in it and uh, hanging in his garage because he, he was done. And I'm like, I call him up. Hey, can I put that together and ride it? Yeah, sure. So I did. I put it together and went down there and raced it. And, you know, well, you know how it is, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Once you got that, once you got that dirt track needle in your arm, you know, all you got to do is <laughs> Push that juice in there and you're hooked, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. So uh, once again, I started back up. Anyhow, um, I got um, back. They didn't have a novice, junior, and expert anymore. They just had pro sport. So I got my pro sport license. I uh, had a 500 Honda um, that I rode. It was in a wax frame. Um, and I went down to Daytona by myself. The guy that owned the Honda it was Dick Sexton. And he was mm-hmm. from Des Moines, Iowa. He lived in the wintertime. He lived in Jacksonville. He said, if you want to come down to Florida, he says, I'll take the bike down there with me. I got a van. I got toolboxes and everything you need. Just fly down there. You can go. And shit, Scotty, that was a factory ride for me. <laughs> yeah, big time in there. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So anyhow, I went down there. I flew down there and jumped in his van. Uh, went to Jacksonville, the Jack's, Jack's Raceway, which I don't even think is around anymore. Um, but that that was when they ran the pro sports during the day, mm-hmm. and then they ran the, the experts at nighttime. So, and if you race the pro sports, then you got a free ticket to stick around and watch the experts run. So I walk around in the pits. I'm walking around in the pits, and uh, this, this short little guy comes up, I knew him when he was a kid because I kind of raced with his dad, Donnie Camlin, mm-hmm. and it was Dave. And he was walking around, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, um, can I get your autograph? <laughs> and I was joking. He right. goes, yeah, 10 bucks. 10 bucks, <laughs> I'll give you all. <laughs> and it started from there. We just started, we, you know, we just hung out that night. Um, and uh, his dad wanted to go ahead and get the Daytona. We were just screwing around, so – because he didn't qualify for even the show that night. Hmm. He didn't even qualify for, for the whatever the 
48 rider show. That was how many experts were there. Yeah. So we ended up driving back down to Daytona. He came with me and, um, we just hit it off from there and we just had a great time, you know? And I traveled to, uh, I think I traveled to one or two races with him that year. Um, I asked him if I could go along and he said, yeah. And we went to Oklahoma. We went to the national Oklahoma city. It was, there was a race, uh, right up the road, a short track the night before. Sepulpa. Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we did that. And then, um, he, he had a, they had a, a hauler that Donnie had taken. It was a crash van and he cut the back half off of it and built, uh, like a hauler out of it, you know? Yeah. And like a little motor home and the back was, you know, for the bikes and stuff. And that's what we had. And this thing had no air conditioning. It was hot. That was the hottest summer I've ever seen. And we went, we ended up staying at a campground, a state campground, and we took our lawn chairs and went out in the lake and sat in the lake all day long with our heads above the water. It's the only way we could stay cool. <laughs> it was crazy. But uh, we ended up racing at Oklahoma City. And um, I don't know how they did there, but went, that was cool. And Ronnie, Ronnie was, Ronnie Jones was promoting that race. I remember because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. he pulled out the red carpet, man. He had catered food catered in for all, everybody in the pits. And it was really, it was really cool. So you traveled with him most of that year. How, how long did you travel and help Davey? Uh, well, that year was just a couple of races. The next year, um, that's when he hooked up with Skip. Skip Eakin, and I did probably three quarters of the races that year, and then from then on it was like every race, you know, we were a team. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, it was with Skip from what ninety four, ninety five till ninety eight, I think. Okay. And then ninety nine, ninety nine, he went with Gardner's. Yeah. So uh, six years. Yeah. Six seven years. So we had, you know, we had a lot of time to talk on the way to Texas and, and you told me a little bit about Skip and, and I told you the story about, uh, watching Bubba Schobert's, uh, interview with him with P- Peter Starr and, and Bubba actually gave so much accolade to Skip Eakin. Can you tell me a Skip Eakin story or tell me just why these guys think so highly of Skip? Skip was, um, he was a great guy, man. I mean, you had to get to know him because he was, he was very serious about what he did. That's all he did. I mean, that's all he did for a living was build race motors and race teams and stuff. Um, but if you didn't know him and, and just to look at him, you would think he was a grouchy old guy, but man, he was a, he was a teddy bear. But uh, I remember, I remember I had that Honda, um, that I was racing and there was a, a race the night before I-96 in Michigan. It's like a regular pro race. And, um, uh, he was helping me out just, you know, goofy old me. He was helping me out. I'm like, man, and my bike wasn't running very good. And then it ended up getting rained out. And I went home and tore my bike apart, found out the cam and then on, it was all flattened out. Um, and he asked me what kind of cam it was and I told him and uh, I'll be damned if three days later I didn't get a brand new cam from Megacycle in the mail 
he bought it for me. That's awesome. You know, I had no, I had no idea, you know, and and um, the guy was just a great guy. He was, and you know, he just, he just wanted to win. He just really wanted to win, you know. So uh, okay. yeah, and that, and and that's, I think that's, I mean, we have a lot of memories. He was really into baseball. He loved the, I think, the Cincinnati Reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, really into baseball. I love baseball. Yeah, he he just I, I think he really really helped Bubba Schobert's career, and I think he definitely did did a lot of good for Davey and and got him that first national win. Yeah, well, I've, I you know it's funny because Dave's first win at DeCoin, um, Skip had I'm sure Skip had watched him for for a lot for a couple of years, you know, and Dave was always fast on the miles. He for some reason he liked the miles better than anything else, and um, um. At DeCoin, I remember him saying, you know, while the main event's going on, he, he they talked earlier, and he was his main goal was to make sure that Dave was there at the end because Dave would always be up front, like towards the beginning of the race, and then he'd kind of fade back like most of them do. And uh, his goal was, you know, just make sure you're there at the end. And um, when it got when the five lap sign come out, he was still there, and he was and he drafted him for the lead. And we're, we looked at each other, and we're like, damn. You know, he might win this thing. Mm-hmm. So it was so, it was, that was probably the coolest day, you know, in racing that I'd had in a long time. You know, yeah. I'd never been in, I'd never been in a situation like that, you know. Right. And uh, it was so cool. Did uh, did you get to take a victory lap with them or I don't, I don't even know how that went down. I guess I don't remember. You know, n- nobody ever took a victory. Dave won four nationals, and nobody ever went on a victory lap with him. And I don't know. Um, I think Dave was just so excited. He won <laughs> the coin. That was his first one. I, I, and, you know, I think he probably would have taken somebody, but he was just so excited and so happy that he just never never thought of it. Yeah. And um, Springfield, he won both back-to-back Springfields. And once again, that's hometown, and he was just so excited that um, – Never did it, you know. He never, yeah. never took anybody on a victory lap. He he was too busy uh, getting back around there to get that checkered flag. He didn't want to stop and pick nobody up. <laughs> no, well, I don't know if I don't know if he didn't want to or he just didn't think about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned you stepped away for a little bit. I mean, I'm gonna back up just a little bit, but you stepped away from racing. You say you didn't belong. Then you got back into it. Then you're with with Davey for a while. I don't know what happened after he passed away. Did you did you leave the sport again and then come back? I mean, what went down after that happened? Well, I met um, my future wife right right before Dave was killed, and we ended up getting married. And uh, I had a daughter. She already had two two children, and um, so all of a sudden, you know, I'm an instant dad. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had my daughter, and then I was kind of just kind of like. I didn't know where I was going because, you know, Dave was probably, my brother-in-law was killed in a car accident and mm. um, he was the closest person that died outside of Davey, you know, and Dave was the next one. And that was that, and I was there and I seen it and that was tough. So I was just kind of, kind of lost a little bit and uh, got married and that all took place and that happened real quick. And next thing you know, I'm a family, we've got a house and, and um, still getting cycle news as well. Mm-hmm. Back when you got a weekly newspaper, mm-hmm. and in the back, in the back, there was uh, about two years later, there was a ad for 
second specter for the Grand National Dirt Track Series. Okay. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Try that. I'll see what happens. Talk to my wife. She said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I sent in a, a resume, and I didn't hear from him for a year. I actually kind of forgot about it. And mm-hmm. I got a call from Bruce Bober one day saying, you know, we want you to do the dirt track tech inspector. Awesome. So once again, back into the scene, only on the other side of the fence. Okay. So did you have to go to any kind of schooling to, to do that? Or they just teach you on the fly and, and as you go? Or is that even a question I can ask you, I guess? <laughs> the only school that I took was how to run the Whistler. That was the thing that they used to measure born stroke or measure okay. total CCs, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, uh, well, I flew out to Ohio to Columbus, and the other guy they hired, we uh, took some tests and went through like a little orientation thing and discussed, you know, pay and all that stuff. And then uh, Bruce wanted us to go to Cozire's Harley Davidson because that's where the. Uh, that's where the Whistler machine was. So we drove down there and a couple of weeks later, and he showed us how to use it, and that was it. All right. I, I had no idea that we had to unload and load the trailer. I, didn't, <laughs> I had no idea we had to set all this crap up and do all this yeah. stuff. I had no idea what I was doing. They, they skipped telling you about that, the, the hard work when they're trying to get you to, to, to sign on, right? Yeah, well, the the, the day that well, I, I, was, I was in – at the hotel on the beach and Bruce said, I'll pick you up and take you to the track um, Friday morning. I think that's when they had two nationals. Mm-hmm. And um, so I jumped in with him and he kind of was going through some things with me and he says, oh, by the way, you don't get paid until the, the, everything's loaded up. Everything's <laughs> <laughs> loaded up at nighttime. And he didn't uh-huh. say it could be midnight, it could be three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, he just, yep. you, didn't get, you didn't get paid until the doors closed on a trailer. Uh-huh. Could be raining, still, could be snowing. Yeah. Still, I didn't know how much there was involved, you know. And there was a, that signage, that was everything. Oh, you guys had to do that, too. Yeah, we had to do oh. it all. Oh, I Man. know. There was, remember those A-frames that they lined inside of the racetrack with? And mm-hmm. it was just... And then they also, they used the trailer for uh, registration. And then they would take, when the guy went done with registration at the short track, they'd take the trailer into the middle of the short track, and that's what they used for timing and scoring. Yep. So we couldn't load anything up until the trailer got out to the outside where the tech was. <laughs> so there was a lot of standing around. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. So you told me on the way home from Texas that you actually left for a little bit, and then you got the call and did some, some tech inspecting for some road races, too. Yeah, um, um, I don't know how do you say it. Life got in the way, and uh, my wife said, "You got to quit doing this, or we're done." Because mm-hmm. um, I was gone on the week a lot on the weekends, you know. So I quit, and uh, we ended up being done anyhow. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and I and I uh, later on I was trying to get back into the dirt track, but they didn't have an opening. And um, Kevin Crowther um, found out I was looking for a job, so he he uh, offered a tech inspection for road race. So I thought, yeah, why not? You know, so I jumped into that a little bit, and uh, I think I did uh, the Utah 
out um, Salt Lake City, Utah, California. They did a couple of road races there, so I did them. And then the next year, they had a after Daytona, they had a management change, and then Kevin called me up and wanted to know if I wanted to do dirt track. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So I got back in. So so, so now, o- go ahead. O two I O two I got hired, worked it for three years, quit for two years, and got back in, and here I am. So you've been you've been a tech official since 2004, 2005 straight. Have you ever have you ever counted how many races you've done as a tech official? No, I haven't. Mm. Never, uh, never even thought of it, really. Yeah, I, I look at it all the time, and it blows my mind how many I've done. And it seems like you've done way more than I have. So uh, my hats off to you. I know it's hard work, and and this is what I'll I want to talk about. Um, how have your duties changed from back then? You used to do everything, you you know, unloaded everything. I know you've driven the the, the toter home, the the truck and trailer around the country a little while, but now let's let's talk about 2021. Uh, we got down there, you know, Friday morning early. You went to the track fairly early Friday. Do you you still have to help set things up in the tech tent and stuff? Because you're you're like the head tech official now, right? That's what they call me. <laughs> but I would like. To- I would like to think Dave McGrath is a little bit above me, but I, you know, most, I think we're most on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. He does a lot more in the office. So, um, but um, yeah, the day before is our setup day. Uh, we have, uh, you know, there's some load in on the day before, or sometimes we have a practice day the day before, but typically it's a two day deal. You know, uh, we, day before is the setup day and the day of is, um, you know, tacking, tacking all the bikes and, and running the show. So on, on race day, you know, you have the, you have the tent set up when they come through tech, can you just tell me a few of the items? You don't have to give me every one of the, every one of the items, but what are some of the items that you guys have to check for before they pass tech? Um, mainly safety items. Um, um, Foot pegs got to have rubber on them. Um, brake pedals have to have rubber on them. Um, that's to keep from mainly on the right-hand side because if they get a little wide and they get up the air fence, it, you know, hopefully it keeps from slicing an air fence open. Mm-hmm. Um, gas tanks secure. Uh, no cracked gas tanks. No cracked frames. Um, just mainly everything safety-related. And then um, it's... Um, it's um, you know having the proper stickers on your bike and contingency stuff, um, so things like that. Um, can't really tech. I mean, yeah, obviously if they got the wrong tire on or if they've got a tire that's cut, you're not supposed to cut your tires. Um, mm-hmm. They can't go, you know. So basically, if the bike's ready to go on the track from tech, that's what we're mainly trying to do. Okay. At some tracks, it's more obvious than others. I know from where I'm sitting at at the Springfield Mile, when they come off the track, you guys also do different tests when they come off the track. I know sometimes you're checking fuel. What are some of the checks like early in the early races, like the the, the practice qualifying and the semis? What are you checking for right when they pull off the track? I'll check fuel, make sure everybody's in compliant with um, um, spec fuel, uh, tires, away the bikes. Um, I might get a call from um, timing and scoring to check, make sure the transponder is working or if they even got okay. the transponder on. Um, 
may, may catch a guy that uh, just going out on the track, you may see that he possibly might have the wrong back tire on, you know, the wrong compound. So we'll grab him and check him when he comes in. Maybe we'll right. catch him, maybe we won't, you know. Yeah. Um, things like that. And then after the races, that's when you're, it seems like you're the busiest and you don't usually get to see the main events because you are so busy. And, and at the riders meeting, especially in Texas, you told them at least 10 times to bring their stands when they're in the main event, because you pull the X, you know, the top four, the top five, definitely go to tech after each main. And then you have some randoms. So you got to make sure they all have stands and then they go into the corral and nobody's allowed to go in there except for an official. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, it does get crazy. Um, kind of shorthanded there. Um, but I try to, uh, what I'd like to do is get them all, you know, after I weigh them, because what we do is we bring everybody from the main event into the tech tent. Um, we'll keep the top 10, but once we figure out who that is, it'll also give us a chance to get our transponders back. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, once I get them all weighed, uh, then I'll, I'll go through and check random things like tires, fuel, um, and, and our timing scoring girl will will take the iPads and she'll make sure that um, uh, all their contingency stuff is is taken care of. You know, stickers and uh, stickers on the Dunlop tires and so forth, um, so they can get paid, so they can get their you know their their contingency money. Okay. Uh, Honda has Honda has to have uh, has to be primarily red Honda colors with Honda on the gas tank. Yamaha has to have Yamaha. Mm. Um, all the manufacturers have different you know specifications that they need. So, so so what happens if you have to disqualify someone? Have you had to personally tell someone you know rider X that you are disqualified from that event? What what happens? Is that your job or is that somebody else's? Well, what I do is I, if I see something, then I'll get a hold of Dave McGrath, um, bring him down, tell him what I got, and then uh, he'll go he'll go from there. Um, if it's a, a minor infraction, we may write him up, you know, give him a warning. If it's an infraction that's a, a performance-enhancing infraction, then they will – it's not my decision. It's the, uh, the upper management position to you know figure out what they want to do okay so i i've, I've seen you interact with the, with the folks in the pits it's like our extended family because that's exactly how i am too um but then when when you're in that tech area it's it's serious business right i mean it's it's you got to put the friendship aside and you got to do your job yeah yeah um it's a tough deal um yeah you got to do your job no matter how good of friends you are Mm -hmm. So we've we've actually talked about having a segment on on the podcast following the events where people talk about the shit they've got from other riders or from the teams from that event or something like that. Uh, you know, I think me, you, and Sammy Sabedra had a, had a discussion on the way home from Texas that lasted about three hours, but we were talking about the gray area with Dale Jones. <laughs> yeah, it made that trip go by fast, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it just. There are little things. Were there were there anything that popped up in Texas? I know we only got practice and qualifying in, but was there anything that stood out in Texas? Um, not really. No, not really. <laughs> All right. Well, somebody brought up a number plate, and I guess it's under review. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let, let's shift gears a little bit. You recently retired from your job. 
What's next for Dale Jones? Um, kind of got into a goofy hobby. I don't know okay. if it's goofy or not, but it's pretty exhilarating. Uh, skydiving. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my dad used to skydive when I was a little kid. And I remember going to the airport with him and watching him pull the chute out in the yard and stuff. And, yeah. and I always wanted, I always kind of wanted to do that. And now that there's, um, plenty of time, I'm going forward with it. And, okay. uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, racing, starting at pro and you got to advance to the next level. Yeah. And I got to, uh, what I, what I'd like to end up doing is getting what they call an A license. So with traveling with the racing deal, I can go to a, a drop zone and rent a suit and pay the fee to go up in the air and jump out. Wow. That's pretty yeah. cool. I I guess I didn't know there was all license that carried across the country and stuff like that. I just, I guess it's something I never thought about. Um, and I guess that was kind of Graham's question too, a little bit in nutshell, but let's, uh, let your, your real job, obviously it sounds like this is a real job because you've been doing it since 2002 or 2004, a long, long time. Uh, your real job, you, you worked at Han, right? Tell me what you did for right. work. Uh, Han Industries, it's an office furniture manufacturer. Um, we make all, we make all kinds of office furniture, chairs, uh, filing cabinets, desks, you know, anything I use in an office, you know, partitions, mm -hmm. uh, cubicles, all that stuff. Uh, but I was in the tool room. I was, uh, skilled trades. Um, okay. So, uh, basically just running a machine, running in a machine shop, you know, any kind of machine, uh, CNC machine, all that stuff. So you're smarter than you look is what you're saying. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I, so, I fell into it. Well, you know, I, I got that job. Um, so I got it. I started working there and I was just an assembler. Um, and I was racing too. And I couldn't get anybody to help me. I couldn't get anybody to make wheel spacers. I couldn't get anybody to help me make an axle to make parts from a motorcycle. I mean, it, I was cutting handlebars. I was cutting pieces off of handlebars to make my own wheel spacers. I, I mean, I just, that's all I had to do. I couldn't, I couldn't get invited and I didn't have the money to pay somebody. And, um, in high school, I always liked to run a lathe and stuff. So I was really adamant about getting a job in the tool room and it, I finally did. And I'm not supposed to, but I ended up making my own stuff in the tool room. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, whatever works, you know, you gotta get, gotta get the job done. Guess they can't fire me now, huh? <laughs> exactly. You're you're already done. Um, yeah. How how exciting was it to hear that that Kevin Crowther was was coming to Flat Track after you you worked for him before in the past? Uh, he he has some roots in Flat Track a little bit. He went to Supercross. He went to some road race. Uh, how excited was it for you to know that he was coming back to uh, to be one of our bosses? I guess. Well, I was looking forward to it. Cause Kevin's a a really even keeled. Um, guy that's you know he's really smart he's pretty calculated let's put it that way he's pretty calculated on okay. anything doesn't make decisions you know just like that he he thinks about it and he's pretty calculated i guess that's about the best way i can explain it 
I got you. Because, you know, it seems like every time I see him, he always has a rule book in his back pocket. And if I have any questions, he's always there for me to answer questions. And I haven't even known him that long. You know, I mean, uh, he was an observer a little bit last year and now he's in that position. But uh, we're, we're hoping to have him on the podcast here real soon to, ex- you know, explain where he got started and, and you know, how long he's been in motorcycles and stuff like that. So he's just not some guy off the street that they hired. I think I think his uh, resume will speak for itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great guy. I mean, and he he appreciates things that we do, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that we do on the side to try to make things go better. And um, people should really get to know him. He's great. Your uh, new side project, I guess there's two of them. You're uh, rebuilding one of Davy Camlin's Rotaxes. It's beautiful. It's got the red frame and the, the chrome wheels. Uh, that one looks good. And then you're working on one yourself. Are are you planning on racing one of those, or or what? Where are those two Rotaxes going when you're done with them? Well, Davy's old Rotax um, that belongs to one of Davy's other friends, uh, Jamie Laughlin, and um, that bike set. I think I can't remember the history of it. I know Dave rode rode it when he raced for Skip, and I don't know if Dave bought it from Skip or. When they when they parted ways or Skip gave it to him, I, I just can't remember. But anyhow, it sat on Bob Weebler of Weebler Charter Davidson in Bettendorf, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, it sat up uh, above his office um, in the in the showroom mm-hmm. for uh, geez, over 20 years, and he just sold his business. And I didn't know it, but Dave's widow owned Missy. She owned that bike. And so she offered it to Chops, which is Jamie Laughlin's nickname, Chops. Um, Mm -hmm. She offered it to him, and he bought it, and he got a hold of me and wanted to know if I'd help him restore it. So cool cool, cool project because, I mean, Skip built that bike, and so you can see all the things that Skip did. And, I mean, when I tear it apart, I'm like, you know, I knew why this was done this way because I knew how Skip operated, you know. And it was really, it's really cool. The other Rotex, I'm uh, it's a it's a wood Rotex. I always wanted one. I always liked them bikes. They just looked cool and everything. And uh, so I found one up in Michigan. So I went up and bought it, and, and uh, just kind of like a like a fun project. I'm gonna try to make a really cool looking bike, and uh, you know, I don't know. I might ride it. I might not. I don't know. Would you Would you put anybody on it and you know sponsor somebody? Have you thought about that? I thought about it. Um, I don't know. Parts for road taxes are really hard to come by. I'm finding out. <laughs> I know. I think my dad's got a stash. If you, if you, if you, when you come down to the Oklahoma City, uh, Miley might have to go rummage through his garage a little bit. <laughs> I may have to. <laughs> but uh, um, I'm in no hurry. I'm in no hurry. I'm just, you know. Yeah. That's okay. that's the kind of that's the neat thing because back when you were racing, it was like, you know, oh, you got a race coming up. You're trying to get parts and. You got to kind of Mickey Mouse something so you can go race, and you know, it's just like now it's kind of like I don't have to hurry to put it together. I can do it right and put it together when I want to. That's awesome. So we are already at the part of the episode. It's time for Graham's question, and we kind of answered part of it uh, with the with the skydiving question. She want to know uh, why you would retire and then start jumping out of airplanes. So I guess my question is, why did you retire? Um, well, ever since Trump got elected, my retirement went through the roof and I was kind of like, you know, I like my job. I really did like my job, but I just didn't want to get up and go to work anymore. So I figured, why not? So I did. All right. 
And the, the second part of Graham's question, I guess, you answered the jump out of the airplane part, but the, the second part, would you ever race an Astro in that Astro Invitational? That would be fun, but I think I'd be like an elephant on a kitty car, you know? <laughs> Things are, I, I'm, what, six, I'm as tall as you are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'd be fun. I don't know if I would or not, though. Okay. I don't know if I could because um, I'm working. Yeah, I know. That's what they, the, the guys that own a lot of those uh, bull tacos at Springfield, especially when they come pushing them out, they're always telling me they'll put a 43. They always show me 43. They want me to ride one. I'm like, who's going to announce if I'm down there on the track? So that's yeah, my good that's, excuse that's, for that's, not having to, that's my excuse for not having to do it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. I, I, you know, I still fit in my leathers. Um, they're a little bit tighter, but I still fit in them. Man, um, my, mine shrunk a lot. I don't know how you still fit in yours. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no comment. <laughs> well, I think it's because you run all over the place and listen to our podcast every day. I think that's what it is. Um, yeah. It's time for time for the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? You've been studying. Yeah, go for it. All right. What's the favorite bike you've ever ridden? Uh, well, right now it'd be my uh, my 2016 Indian Roadmaster. All right, going straight bike I on love, me. I like it. I love that I like bike, it. man. It's like so much it. fun to ride. Okay. What's your favorite racetrack? Well, I, I, I thought it was going to be Louisville. That was the second half mile national I went to. And um, Springer and, you know, Gary Scott and all them guys, first practice was just phenomenal. They'd come in that corner and they wouldn't shut off and the rooster tail. And, um, and I thought, you know, I could ride, I could do that, you know. And then when I became expert and I finally got a chance to ride there, I'm like, oh, my God, this sucks. I didn't have no horsepower, you know, Okay. Yeah. really showed, you know, really showed when you try to ride something like that and you don't got no horsepower. It's like, man, this sucks. <laughs> Getting beat up from the spray. Yeah, of course. So it was Louisville, but is, is Louisville still your favorite track, I guess, or? Oh yeah. I guess I need to answer that question. Huh? You Peoria. left me hanging. Yeah, like, yeah. Peoria. That was the first national I ever went to, um, okay. 1972. And I got to see Dick Mann win it. Oh, that's cool. Memories yeah. right there for sure. Who's your favorite flat tracker of all time? Uh, Davey Camlin. There you go. I knew you were going to say that one. He was, he wasn't just, I mean, he was coming into his own. He was a good racer, but he was just a good person, you know, just a good person all around. Just a cool yeah. guy and hilarious. I mean, he was a crack up. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I didn't get, I didn't get to know him as well as you did, of course, but, uh, uh, you know, every every time I talk to him, he always has a smile on his face, and he's always like, making making everybody laugh. And he's a great guy for sure. Who's your Who's your favorite person to go bench racing with? Well, oh man, there's a lot of people there. Um, he stumped me. There you go. Probably my buddy Daryl Brentlinger. <laughs> that's cool. That's what but Carter we, put in our little chat right here too. He 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 knew that's what you're gonna say. Well, we spend so much time together. I mean, there's not a lot of people that, I mean, heck, you and me bench race, you know, and that was fun. Yep. And we'd Absolutely. probably do a lot more of it if we, you know, spent more time together. But, um, yeah, I guess because, because we spent so much time together, Daryl and I, um, probably Daryl. Yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's a new one we've never asked, but what's a better feeling? Uh, tuck, tucked in on a mile wide open, about to pitch it sideways into the corner or jumping out of an airplane? <laughs> oh boy i want to tell you something jumping out of an airplane there's nothing like it i mean it's 
terrifying, it's cool, it's exhilarating, it's, um, and I didn't get a chance to ride too many miles, um, Springfield, mm-hmm. um, and I rode Hawthorne, uh, the Hawthorne Mile in Chicago. Mm. My bike wasn't running right, and, and so it really didn't. So Springfield was probably the best one I ever rode. Mm-hmm. I'd say jumping out of an airplane, yeah. All right. I was hoping you'd say that. Uh, so this one, I'm going to let you pick whichever class you want, but uh, who's the next first-time champion in our sport? Uh, I would say probably, uh, I'd say Brandon Robinson probably do. I'd say Brandon Robinson. He's on it right now for sure. You know, finishing off the year with a couple of wins, starting off strong at, at Volusia. Uh, healthy. You know, if, if it, yep, healthy. Yeah, no broken ankles right now. But uh, I, I think if it wasn't for the TTs, it, it would definitely be be more of a threat. So if he can some, salvage some points at Peoria, I mean, I think the rest of the tracks all fit his style. I think you're right there. I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head with that one. Last question I have is we, we borrow from Dave to Spain, but what are you most proud of? Huh. I'd probably say um, I have um, I have a stepson who's uh, almost 30 years old. I have a stepdaughter that's 25, and I have a daughter that's 20. I mean, um, they're all self-supportive. They're all um, got their way in life, you know, and they're they're on their way. And I guess that would be it right there. I I, I think I showed them the way. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think I helped yeah. their their way in, into the real world. And um, yeah. I would like to think so anyhow. So yeah, the the three kids. Yeah. The two that I helped raise because I got my I got my stepson came in my, into my life when he was eight or nine. My okay. stepdaughter came into my life when she was three. So. Yeah. Uh, then of course my daughter. So. Yeah. Well, they're they're well on their way, and that's allowed you to retire early because they don't have to lean on dad. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's all worked out. Perfect. Perfect. That's perfect. Uh, before we let you go, just like we do, you know, you've listened to every episode. Uh, it's your chance to say thanks to anybody. So here's here's your shot. Huh. Wow. I never thought I forgot about that one. That question. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I guess everybody that um, everybody that's helped me through to get this far. My dad. My dad. Uh, he kind of showed me the way. You know. Um, my mom. She was always there. She's always supportive. My daughter. She. When she moved in with me, I, you know, I asked her if she wanted me to quit this job, and she goes, she told me no. She said, "That's what you want to do. That's what you like to do." So yeah, I guess uh, my family, my brothers, my brothers got me to this point, racing, racing wise. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. now they come to me and ask me what's going on. I used to yeah. go to them. F- full circle. My oldest brother, he's the one that taught me how to work on a motorcycle. I, you want? I, I got a story for you on that one. All right. <laughs> When I was, I don't know, 10 years old or something, my brother, my oldest brother was out in the garage working on a Yamaha 80. It was kind of like a, a step-through type scooter, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was standing there watching him work on it, and he told me to kick it over. And I'm like, I look at him I'm like, what? He said, kick it over. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. Right. So I kicked it over. I kicked it over. <laughs> kicked it right off the stand. Kicked it over. <laughs> kicked it onto the ground. Yeah, I did. And he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> he told me to kick it over. I did. I kicked it over. <laughs> he should have said, so "I got started." I, yeah. Yeah, that's that's when I first realized that. Yeah, 
I, I think I can work on these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have to now that you messed that one up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably don't even remember that, but yeah, that's 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 kind of like the first time I ever realized you to work how to work on motorcycles. Uh, that's hilarious. Well, I, I just want to say thank you for for your dedication to the sport that we all love. You know, some sometimes your job gets overlooked, and it is a necessity. But you do other things to help out too. You went out to the Richmond, you know, Virginia race, helped out there. You went down to, to Florida, stood at the gate down there for little or no pay at all for those two especially. But I, I know you do it because you love the sport. But what some people don't realize is you don't even get to see the sport you love, but you just get to be there and be a part of it. And so so thanks for your, your hard dedication and hard work that, that, that you've put in. And, of course, thanks uh, for being a patron here on uh, on our podcast. It means the world to, to Carter and I that – people like you support us. And, and I uh, just want to say thanks for that too. Well, it keeps me running, keeps me, uh, <laughs> uh keeps the heartbeat up. And I guess it, uh, keeps me, uh, if it adds one more day to my life, then Hey, it was worth it. You know, right, so. right on, right on. Well, Dale, thanks for coming on the podcast and, uh, we'll see you up in Joliet here in, in, uh, in a day or two, I guess. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to coming down and spending, uh, uh, the weekend with grandma Paul. That's I'm ready. Right. Graham, Graham and Pa are ready. They got the bunk beds. Uh, they got new sheets or clean sheets on the bunk beds for you and Daryl, and they're ready. That'll probably be the best bench racing right there. Yeah, for sure. You you better better drink some coffee because you'll be staying up some late night sessions for that. I know, I know. I'm looking forward to it though. Absolutely looking forward to it. And I am staying on Monday to go out to dinner with you guys. Good, good. Because this last Monday, I think we had a record crowd of 35 people. Uh, it was a, a friend of ours, Daryl's birthday, and it was Haley's birthday, too. But uh, we celebrated in style and, and uh, had a good time. So you missed out, but uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you down there on the Monday night, uh, Father's Day weekend. Perfect. And uh, thank, thanks thanks to you and Carter, man. This is I love this podcast. I love them all. Any, anything that has something to do with dirt track. But you guys do a great job and keep up the good work. Awesome. Thanks, Dale. All right. Take care. Did it, Mr. Dale Jones? Now has his own episode. I love it. Did Did you like how I started it? I loved how you started it. It's absolutely perfect. So that's we always I always do that with Ronnie Jones too. Yeah. It's either yeah. Anyways, he's number sixteen, not number ten K, obviously. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, just got to mess with these guys. No, I, I, and I've chatted with Dale a ton at the track. Um, he like I said, like you mentioned, he he was at the RVA flat track event. He was uh, at Callahan earlier this year. I'll tell you what, that dude stood up the entire day at Callahan. I, I mean, I saw him maybe sit for two seconds uh, the whole day well, working that gate. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that's what he does. It's, so it's he was working the gate going onto the track and off the track? Correct. Yeah. For the, and, it's the staging gate, yeah. Yep, and I, and I got to tell you, man, I, I, he, he, he sells himself short a little bit when you, when you say how much you appreciate that work. But without somebody like that, with that with that experience and that knowledge of how to how to run that those events right. don't run half as smooth as they should right like right. and to the point you made he's driving to those events himself uh and you know not even expecting anything out of that other than to help the sport so anybody that's that dedicated to the sport to seeing uh not just the national level of things go off without a hitch but like the local races as well I have a huge appreciation for and a ton of respect for somebody like Dale Jones. And 
uh, I've spent many a nights uh, at those events, like talking to him about old stories and stuff. So it's cool to have him on and tell a few of his his own stories and his past. Uh, I think it's always yep. cool to yeah. hear and from he, folks like him. He was he, he was such great friends with Davy Camlin and to be be there with Davy for his four victories. Uh, I can't imagine. I I, ha- I guess I haven't been part of a national winning. You know, I haven't been a mechanic or been in the pits with somebody that won a national other than my friends, but not, not being there as a mechanic and, and riding to the track with somebody. So it had to be really rewarding for him to be part of Davy Camlin's wins. So uh, sad that we lost him way too soon, but uh, you know, Dale uh, got back into the sport and he's doing what he loves and he's still hanging out with the flat track family. Absolutely. You think uh, he's going to let me ride one of those two bikes that he's rebuilding? I don't think you should even think about getting on a Rotax for at least five years. Five? What are you talking about? I get one lesson from Fast Eddie, and I'm going to be able to crank out any kind of mode. I'm jumping on an FTR 750 the next thing. No, you're not. Yeah, you can, why not? I'll let you sit on one. I'll let you sit on one in the parking lot. <laughs> the last thing I would do is go jump on an FTR 750 after just learning to ride a motorcycle. Uh, but Tyler, uh, another one of our patrons, mentioned that. Uh, Anytime I want. He's got a few uh, Sundays that I can come hop on down there in Texas. So, uh, Tyler. Yeah. Careful. Sunday motorcycles are really cool. So, that'd be a lot of fun. It seems like it's right up my alley, too. Little smaller ones, closer to the ground. So, when I fall, it's not that far. I'm totally in on that. (laughs) Uh, I'm totally in. And I think I've seen a couple uh, people riding those. They look pretty damn cool to cool they look like pretty cool motorcycles as well so um tyler i'm gonna take you up on that as soon as i have my oklahoma city mile weekend which i don't know if i've told you this yet i found somebody to cover me on the promoto so it is on like donkey kong we didn't hear it you didn't it didn't work for us it did for everybody else so Oh my gosh! So I get I got left out. I got left out. Nah, yeah, no. I do like that. I do, I do like, like that. that. Um, which reminds me, we need to talk to Sam again. Okay, all right. But yeah, you wanna you wanna put a button on this one and wrap it up. You got anything going on crazy? You got so. obviously racing this weekend. Just, just uh, yeah, just getting ready and get my my stuff together. I just went through my notes, got my notes together. That's how I had my uh, Hollywood Nuggets earlier. What? Who's, who's your pick for promo promoto this weekend? I'm gonna have to go with uh, seeing Cirillo just because. I like I like the way he rides. I like the way he rides. Okay. Who you got? Oh, I think Tomac. I don't know why. I think Tomac. Really? I think Tomac's gonna have a crazy season this year, and I don't know why. Okay. I don't All know. Right. It, he he does better at the outdoor stuff. He you know, does. really. He really I, does. It seems he like really a safe does. pick, but like he's not a safe pick anymore. So I don't know. We'll right. see how it all right. pans out. Yeah. Um, yep. Looking forward to getting back out there. I would rather be in a flat track always, but. At yeah, least I'm come, come on up. Just just get on the wrong plane, go to Chicago instead. <laughs> That's gonna happen for the Oklahoma City weekend for sure. Um, all right, all right, good. Is that the double header too, right? Yeah. Oh, Friday night, Saturday night. Get to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And- yeah, when how that's the question that I have, and then we can wrap this up. How the hell are we gonna do that during the race weekend? We'll figure it out. Is he gonna we bring it, it to the damn track? No, we're not going to embarrass you in front of everybody at the track. Well, that's what I figured was going to happen. I figured like I was going to roll up and there was going to be like 80,000 people there. like, And you're going to be on the microphone yeah. going, And now, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Carter riding a motorcycle for the first time. Watch out for that barn. <laughs> <laughs> End up like Casey last week said he hit a boat the first time he rode a motorcycle. Yep. Or if you learn at my dad's backyard, you could end up in the pool. Ooh. That might not be bad. I like it. Um, all right. Well, uh, well. thanks to all our listeners. Thanks to our patrons. 
Thanks to everybody for sharing our podcast. Thanks to all of our guests. You know, I don't know if I thank our guests enough. You do. Because we've only been turned down one time. I'm not going to say who that was. But I, <laughs> I love the Flat Track say. family. I do too, man. It's awesome. It's an well, awesome family. I, I love the Flat Track family. Everybody wants to come on, tell their story, or at least give their two cents about the story. And uh, we just really appreciate everybody for listening, everybody for sharing, and it's all because we love this great sport of Flat Track. So, uh, Thanks for all of our listeners. Smash that like button. Tell all your friends. Give us some feedback. Uh, shoot us a note if you want to hear from somebody that we haven't got to just yet. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll have a recap of Joliet. And I'll be getting ready to go to Terre Haute next weekend and Wisconsin for a week. Man, we're going to get crazy. Fun one in that week for sure. All getting right. ready to get crazy. Peace. See you later. Thanks, Dale. <laughs> What's up, Carter? <laughs> What's up, dude?